You're listening to The Bookstack with Annie, Nia, and Sydney. Hi, friends. Welcome to the 13th chapter of The Bookstack. I'm Nia. I'm Annie. And I'm Sydney. Today's chapter is on fantastical tales, stories that are magical, literally or figuratively. They have a whimsical element or something that seems far from here and now, unbound by our rules of reality. From the earliest oral iterations of tales such as 1001 Arabian Nights and Beowulf to the influential classic of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, like we talked about in the previous chapter, to the more recent fantastical books we're going to discuss today, the genre has grown and morphed with the times, but it has remained just as fantastical as when we traded stories around the fire. So Annie, what have you got for us? So I have one children's book and one teen young adult book and they actually go in publication order so yay for me uh the (laughs) first book I have well as you were reading my introduction I thought this kind of does show how fantastic tales have morphed throughout time because my first one was published in 1961 and my second public one was published in 2011 so that shows a good 50 plus years. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah helpful. So my first book is The Phantom Tollbooth by Norton Juster. I love this book. I've never, I had never read it before. You didn't read it read as a kid. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I still, <laughs> to this day, have certain scenes from this book that will play through my head when different things, like different things in my life arise. Yeah, I mm-hmm. can see that. And I worry anytime I give a speech that I'm going to have to eat my words literally instead uh-huh. of figuratively. Like uh-huh. this book was very influential to me and I love that you picked it. So to go along with that, I'm just going to set the stage, I guess, for eating your words. Yes. Uh, there's a part in the book where Milo, the main character, goes to a feast at the king's house and the king says, give your speech. And he doesn't know what to do. And so he stands up and just says something like, I don't know. Isn't it something like, thanks for being here? Yeah. Something. He just gives a very, yeah, just gives a speech. And then he sits down and the waiter brings out his plate of food and there's nothing on there. And the king said, well, that was a very interesting speech. And then the next person gives their speech and they say something like roast beef, mashed potatoes, gravy. And then they sit down and they are handed a plate of roast beef, mashed potatoes and gravy. And the next person stands up and says, I'm trying to think tacos spaghetti and salad and they would be fed taco spaghetti and salad and that's when it hit me in the book that he's literally eating his words and he didn't write anything he didn't say anything so he doesn't eat anything well i I think they were i think they were like actual words that he had to try to chew through or something weren't they yeah yeah like he goes this doesn't taste very good yeah yeah. you know if you have to eat your words you want to make sure you like what you're eating or something yeah yeah Yeah. it's really clever to be fair it's been over 20 years since I read this book. <laughs> well over did, 20 years since I read this Milo book. Milo did get the idea when it was dessert time and he yes. did get dessert and he said, well, that was much better. So, well, yeah, mm-hmm. you got to eat your words. Of course it was much better this time. He uh, thought so them the, through better and yeah. he did. And yeah. not only that, he understood the directions. Yeah. Right. Which the teacher in me thinks about that now going, this is what happens yeah. when you don't give clear direction or clear instruction. Right. And then mm-hmm. you kids don't do what you ask them to do. And you're like, why, why wouldn't you do it this way? Because this is what I, you know, this is what you were expecting, but they didn't know. So they didn't do it properly. Yes. They did what you asked, not what you wanted. Right. Yes. And he did that. Yeah. He did what he was asked, not what was wanted out of him. So the premise of the book is that our character Milo, I can't decide how old Milo is. He's, he's like eight or nine, isn't he? I, they referenced Maybe him 10. as a boy, but then... 
He's got no parents that are present in the story at all. It's kind of an well, Alice in Wonderland situation. Yeah. Where there maybe were parents that just don't really matter. So anyway, uh, he gets a package put on his porch and he opens the package and it contains all of the tools and all of the pieces to build a toll booth, which I had to explain to people because no one knows what a toll booth anymore is anymore if you're under the age of i don't know 19 well they, i mean they still exist in certain places <laughs> they, of the country but, but even then you don't have to put coins into them yeah but even I mean, now you don't yeah yeah like most of them don't take cash anymore mm-mm, mm-mm. because yeah. it's it's such a nightmare but yep, yeah. you just drive under them and they take a picture of your license plate so he gets a toll booth and he puts a coin into the toll booth gets in his little pedal car and drives off into this world of fantasy and the first person he runs into is the weatherman and he asks for the directions to get to Dictionopolis I think he says which way to Dictionopolis and the weatherman says well which way do you want to go it doesn't matter which way you go and he says well what if I go north and he says this is what'll happen if you go north he says what if I go south this will be what happens if I go south he said well what should I choose and the weatherman spelled w-h-e-t-h-e-r says fun little play on words which direction mm-hmm. you go you'll have a different outcome and he just ends up choosing one and that leads him to the doldrums he goes through dictionopolis eventually he gets to digitopolis and the sea of knowledge and just all of these places that are play on words or play on numbers and it's really really well done i remember as a kid loving how clever the book was yeah And I loved as I was reading going, oh, I get that reference or, oh, I remember Mm -hmm. like this was so cool. And I I loved that it felt like I was in on the secret. I also like that the chapters are really short and each chapter pretty much you meet a new character. So you're not getting stuck with the same characters throughout the whole book or waiting for the next event to happen, which is good for kids. I think a quick story, you know, a fast paced story. It Um, feels kind of like an Alice in Wonderland feel. It does. One part that stuck out to me was when he is talking with someone about why the kingdom is in disrepair-ish. And the witch tells him, again, spelled W-H-I-C-H, that there were once two princesses named Rhyme and Reason. And the two princes got mad at them and ended up banishing them to a kingdom in the sky, I think, or kingdom in the clouds castle in the clouds something like that and so now there's no longer rhyme or reason in the kingdom (laughs) and that's awesome right and you can take that literally rhyme and reason are gone and also literally rhyme and reason are gone right so and everything is like that throughout the entire book you're eating your words rhyme and reason are gone it's just really really well done and i can see like sydney said thinking back on this book throughout my entire life and making those connections and being scared that I'm going to have to eat my words. And it's a really, it's, it's very fun. Right on. Yeah. I like it. I'm, I'm glad you like it, Sydney and Nia, you need to read it. I, it's yeah, I think I do. You do. <laughs> and I it's, think it would be a fun one to read to your daughter when she's older. Yeah. I don't think she'd get it now. No, she or just wouldn't sit still, but no, yeah, definitely. No. <laughs> yeah. There's no, but, there's not enough pictures. No, yeah. there are some pictures, just not. Very there are many. some, there's just not there enough. Are. And they're not very compelling pictures because no, they're just like little stick drawings. Yeah. I think this would be a good one for like, I'm teaching it right now to my fifth and sixth graders. I think maybe fourth grade, maybe even third grade and up. Okay. For sure. Yeah. But I would, I wouldn't go past sixth grade because it's a very simplistic book. Sure. Yeah. Uh, So my second one, 
I chose Ready Player One by Ernest Cline. This one was published in 2011. A second book came out in 2020 called Ready Player Two. I have not read it yet. I own it, but I haven't read it. I said I would. There's still time. Yeah, you have minutes. (laughs) And then today I sent my daughter down to our little free library and she picked up four new books for me. So I'll get there. Eventually. I'll probably have to reread Ready Player One though, because a lot goes on. It's a very complicated book. I haven't read either. No, to be to be honest, I haven't. Did you read see either the movie? Yeah, I love the movie. I own the movie. <gasps> love it. But I didn't realize it was a book when I watched the movie. I just thought it was really clever. Interesting. Oh, okay. And then I heard it was a book, and I was like, oh. And but it, it was this big resurgence of everyone reading the book because the movie had just come yeah. out, and everyone was right. introduced to the book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then Ready Player Two was coming out, and so I was like, oh, I'll wait for both of them to come out, and then I'll read both you know, back to back. And then I heard a bunch of mixed reviews about Ready Player yeah, Two. I have too. And it, it tamped my interest mm-hmm. level. And so I just never pushed it to the forefront. That's okay. But that doesn't you mean I don't want to hear what you have to say when you read the book because Nia, I value you... your opinion. Nia, have you read it or seen the movie? I have not either. It was on my list to read. I actually downloaded the audiobook at one point. My face right now. And grad school took over my brain. Oh, and yeah. It, it didn't happen. So, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Okay. I yeah. I love right. the movie, though. So, I like, I love that oh. you picked this book because oh, the movie is fantastic. There, we are going oh, to no. get to the movie. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> Dang it. No, no, it'll be okay. But we are coming to that. So, get ready. Okay. okay. So, again, it was myself. published in 2011. I don't think I read Ready Player One until at least 2016. It took me a while to read because, yeah, like didn't... you guys, life happened and I just didn't pick it up for a while. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even on my horizon until around then. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I didn't I think know I was it was a book way. until the movie came out. And then I was like, oh, cool. I'm behind the times again. That's neat. Mm, we're going to talk about the movie. So for those of you who haven't seen the movie or think <laughs> the, movie the book are the same, here we go. Oh, dang oh, it. No. Yeah, it's crap. <laughs> Ready Player One is actually a love story. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's a historical fiction love story. Uh, With some so- horror elements. <laughs> oh, that's what we're going to talk about, my friend. Oh, no. That's what we're going to talk Dude. about. So Damn, in the no. future... In uh, 2044, people are living their lives mainly in a game called The Oasis. So it is, I mean, the nugget of the movie is the same as the nugget of the book. Okay. Uh, Wade, yeah. Wade is the teenager uh, and he is part of both worlds. He goes to school, meets people, does everything within The Oasis. And he starts to kind of, well, everyone does. They're, they don't really participate in their real lives. They're participating in their lives in the Oasis, but they still have real lives and they kind of catch up to each other in Ready Player One. So a race gets started when the creator of Oasis dies and Wade decides to participate because the prize is a big deal. And he has, he doesn't have a great life. And so money would be a big deal to him. But then as he goes through the puzzle and the participation with that, He has to deal with the Oasis and the consequences coming into his real life as potentially dying and real physical things. So Ready Player One is full of pop culture references, mostly from the 80s, because in the book, the creator of the Oasis, that was his time period was the 80s. And so a lot of stuff comes from that. That makes him older than you would expect a game creator in 2044. Well, it's 2044 and he died of old age. Yeah. But okay, so 
I'm going to date myself here. I was born in 1988. You're the youngest of the three of us. Keep going. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yay for me. <laughs> I still, like, I don't remember the 80s. I mean, come on, I was two. But That's okay. I, I don't remember the 80s either. But I still know the references. Right. And yeah, so I guess the references. that are born in the 90s are were still watching Pretty in Pink. They were still watching Breakfast Club. They were still playing with Rubik's Cubes before they got cool again. Okay, so a lot point. of that stuff kind of carried into the 90s. So he could have been born in the 90s. I've just been obsessed with 80s. And just been culture. obsessed with the 80s. All right. I accept this. You know? Okay, great. I, I, I do get the <laughs> irony of me talking about all three of us having been born in the 80s. And how 2044, like how old he'd be that like he's dying of old age. And yet, like, I get it. I'm fully aware of the irony. I mean, in 2044, I don't math. 22 22? years from now. So I'll be, what, 56? (laughs) Yeah. It's not that old. I'll be 58. If if the 80s were like his deal, then he would would have been born probably more in the 70s. Even to then, we're yeah. aware of yeah. the 80s because so he died. I mean, dying of, it's not that old. Dying of dying I mean, of old is, age but... in your 50s is just not old age, and it's not right. really. It's just more sad. Right. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, he died. He was old. Loved the 80s. So it's full of pop ref- pop references. Uh, and again, I feel that nostalgia because of my parents, not so much because of myself. So yeah. the book was adapted into a movie. Here we go. Oh boy. Yep. I really enjoyed the book. I thought it was, I thought the book was very young adult and one that I could easily present to my kids and they would like it because my kids play video games. They might not get all the references, but there were enough there that they would want to then say, oh, I want to watch this movie. Oh, I want to play this game. There's enough nostalgia there and fondness for these things that I would want to introduce it to my kids as a good way to introduce, you know, the 1980s. But the movie was not. So in the book, Wade Watts (laughs) has to, there are three puzzles that he has to do, book and movie. Okay, they're both, again, the nugget is the same. In one of the puzzles that he has to solve in the movie, he is going through through a scene in The Shining. In the book, he has to go through the entire movie of War Games as Matthew Broderick's character. Okay, Nia, share with us your thoughts. (laughs) Well, War Games is way more strategic. It makes way more sense for this. It's got the video game element as a backbone for it too. And The Shining is just descent into madness in the middle of BFE in a haunted hotel. They are not the same. Nowhere near the same. same. No. It's a very, very astute observation, Nia. In the book, he goes scene by scene. I have them sometimes. (laughs) In the book, he goes scene by scene through one character, Mm -hmm. lines and everything. And because he has studied so many of the creator's works, he Mm -hmm. knows the movie scene by scene. In the film adaptation, there was, I haven't seen The Shining, but there was blood in the elevator right like that Uh was coming out and then a naked zombie woman and i thought this is not i don't remember that well so i think it's because it's replaying from when she was stabbed originally and then she's there again because you're like going back into what's already Uh, happened okay because it's the yep shower scene the shower scene isn't from the shining that one is from i haven't seen the shining oh i can't remember that one that one is from a different american psycho 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I had to turn to my friend because we went and saw it together and she had let her son read the book and wanted to see if he could come see the movie. And I turned to her and said, this is not the book that your son read. Your son did not read The Shining. (laughs) Right. Just giving you that caveat. He did not. He did not read the same book. Wondering why they changed to the like. I don't know. I don't. I, I, I mean, know. The Shining for its time had some really good visual stuff for it. But even when they were filming it, the the main kid that has, you know, the psychic intuition in it, when they were filming, they made sure he did not know it was a horror film. He had no idea because the oh way gosh. they filmed it, he never saw any of the horror elements. So to flip that around and be like, yeah. hi, you're a kid in a, in a kid's movie. Well, I don't know what the movie for real Ready Player One was rated. PG-13. But PG-13. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really Yeah, I thought they took a lot okay. of liberties with the movie. In things like that, in the references, they changed them. And so it didn't make it nearly as fun or mm-hmm. nostalgic and it was harder to connect to the movie than to the book. I can see that. Because of that. Yeah. So the movie is good, the book is better. It's just a lot easier to understand in the book because again, there's no random horror scenes in the middle. Mm-hmm. So again, Sydney, Nia please go read the book and then Nia go watch the movie. <laughs> and then I can be horrified by it. Yeah, I wa- I really was. I-, I was really shocked. It was a weird turn of events. Okay. And when you guys hmm. finish the first book, I will read Ready Player Two. Okay. I mean, Someday. if it's got mixed reviews though, are you sure you want to do that? I already own it. <laughs> that that okay. doesn't stop me. I get rid of books if I, even if I'm not going to read them. Oh no, I'll read I, it. I have it. And it but... has a fun blue cover. I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there. Okay. Okay, Nia. I have to read this book. It has a fun cover. Well, yeah, I just picked up the Will Smith book. I only picked it up because it has a fun cover. It was a beautiful mm-hmm. cover. So now I own it and I'm going to read it. We do judge books by covers. Let's be honest. That's what we're yeah. supposed to do. Advertising execs. Well, <laughs> it's true though. I, it it's is true. no books are marketed based on their covers. They and are different well, it, editions it, with different covers to appeal to different people. Yeah, it's just I'm laughing because it's very fitting for the for one of the books in my stack because I do actually bring up the cover. Oh, do you? So, <laughs> all right, share with us, Nia. <laughs> so, uh, the first one in my stack is called Discount Armageddon. It's by Shannon McGuire. It's an adult urban fantasy. It came out in 2012. So Shannon McGuire is a really prolific author. She has several different series out there to dive into. This particular one was the first one I've read of hers. It was given to me by a dear library friend to keep me company during my move to Maryland. And yeah, because Shannon McGuire is one of her favorite authors. So she was like, here, let me share this with you. That's a great way to introduce, like, be like, I love this book. So I want you to love this book. That's a good Mm -hmm. friend. So this is the first book in the encrypted series. Uh, There's currently 12 books, plus a few, one of the half books in there as well. And a supplemental field guide to go along with it that talks about all of the different cryptids that pop up in the series. That's cool. For those of us that aren't sure what a cryptid is. Oh, I'll get into that. Okay. You got it. All right. Um, Um, Can I say something with that? Sure. Cars on the road taught me what a cryptid is. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about? I do, actually. Ivy is technically a cryptid. I mean, (laughs) if you haven't watched Cars on the Road on Disney Plus, that'll tell you what a cryptid is. Uh, Behind the times again. Cool. (laughs) It's okay. Welcome to my life. It's all good. We're all behind somewhere. Yep. So Discount Armageddon follows the main character, whose name is Verity Price, and her family has spent generations studying cryptids 
and focusing on how to keep them around instead of getting extinct. They've had a long road of redemption on this because their family used to be very infamous for how they hunted them for a secret organization. The tone is super snarky. This is I the like your, def- you and your snarky books. You you <laughs> always snark- find fun, the best snarky, snarky books. Well, this was given to me as a snarky one, but yes, I, I'm all for the snarky ones. So in the book jacket, you have cryptid, noun, any creature whose existence has not yet been proven by science. See also monster, cryptozoologist, noun, any person who thinks hunting for cryptids is a good idea. See also <laughs> idiot. That's cute. <laughs> that's really cute. Right? So that, okay, that, that's cute. That gives you that gives you a really good idea here. Is it first person narration? Uh, it's not. It's third. It's not okay. Yeah. I am going to give you guys the cover. I was wondering if it was first person because then I could see the character, the snarky one that you're talking about giving mm-hmm. that definition. See their journal entries or like the field guide. Oh. That is part of that field guide. Got it. Okay, that um, makes sense. Yeah. I'm fascinated by cryptids. So I've given you the description. It's called Discount Armageddon. Does the cover look like what you would picture with the the name? No. Right? That... No, not at all. <laughs> that looks like grocery store romance sci-fi. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a girl with a, a real short top that's tied right below her boobs and cinched yep. to give her, you know, the look of, of a schoolgirl with a, a pink plaid short skirt and she looks like britney spears yeah in her you know but with a samurai sword and a gun and a gun yep all right so yeah interesting that has has to do with where she's working and what she does to pay the bills because gotta pay the bills and it does get into that fairly early on in the book of why she's dressed like that but i when i was handed this book i was like what did you just give me and she goes just trust me (laughs) i would wonder the same thing this yeah if i if I just saw this book, mm-hmm. I would nope it and move on. Yeah, me too. So, but I'm telling you, it is absolutely worth taking the plunge on it. It is a fantastic cover and it will be on our social media. So you guys can see it on there when you're listening to this. I'm glad that see, the author- It's a fantastic cover. I'm glad that the author talked about the image, not necessarily the image, but kind of made the connection of why Gives that- the premise. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. how you can, tell the, you can tell the cover art was based on what was written in the book. Not just marketing? And not, yeah. Okay. But I mean, with that, and it, it's fantastic. I don't want to get too much into it because I don't want to give away too much of the plot. The, the cover looks but, kind of comic booky. Yeah. Which I think is why I would nope it. But so, if you tell me not to, then obviously, <laughs> I mean, if I trust you're your into, opinion. If you're into snarky urban fantasy, I highly recommend it. So You know, I wasn't until we started doing this, and now I kind of am. Yeah, it's one of my favorite genres. Um, <laughs> but it's also, I mean, it, it's a really nice palette cleanser if you're doing any heavier books, because how can you not think that? Just go through it and go, this is fluffy, and I, ah, okay, now I can go back to reading my heavier stuff. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, nice. Those are good yeah. to have. So that one's my first one. My other one is a little bit more of a deep cut. It is Alana, The First Adventure by Tamara Pierce. It's part of the Song of the Lioness series. It was first published in 1983. It is a YA fantasy. This series, for those who don't know, uh, follows Alana, who wants to be a knight. 
And of course, as a girl, she's not supposed to be able to do that. So technically, but she has a twin named Tom who wants to learn magic. So they swap places to where they're supposed to be. And she passes herself off as a boy so she can be a knight. So she becomes Alan of Treebond instead of Alana. And the books follow, you've got the first two in the, the series that are, you know, she's maybe 10 or 11 when the first book starts. And it's her coming of age in those first two. And then you have her building her reputation with who she is. The third one is called The Woman Who Rides Like a Man. Oh, because she's, cool. still, she's still fighting up against those, uh, all those gender inequality stuff, which to come out in the early 80s with that, it's still yeah. very poignant now. Yeah, I was thinking that too. But that's interesting time period. Yeah. So it's, it's a delightful series. It's a, it's all about coming of age. It's following, you know, doing what you know is right, even if you know it's going to be really hard or really uncomfortable. And it also talks about, you know, some of the more complex parts of hiding her gender, like, hey, surprise, your period started. What do you do about that when you don't even know what it is? Because you're That's with a bunch of guys. Awesome. I'm yeah. so Oh, yeah. A lot of times oh, these yeah. books just kind of skip over stuff like that. Oh, yeah. No, it, it's, and you're sitting there going, oh, no. And as someone who's had one, you're going, oh no, what do you yeah. do? And then you also share the embarrassment of how it starts going, oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's really so, cool. Yeah, and it's okay, well, it's got to get taken care of. Okay, well, that means she has to tell her secret to somebody in order mm-hmm. to get medical care to figure out what is going on. And she's horrified. And the person she goes to see is going, didn't anybody tell you that this happens? Oh. Okay, let me walk you through it. It's okay, it'll be fine. Aww. So- I mean, that's a pretty, it doesn't go super, super awkward into it, but it really talks to you, especially when you're a younger person who has that and you're going, okay, this is awkward. And you have to hide it around a bunch of guys because you're pretending to be a dude. Like, well, I think that adds to you know, the, not the reality of the story, but it helps you to connect and there are less yeah. holes. If there's that much depth into the character and the character's mm-hmm. facade. I like that. Yeah. But it also, I mean, it talks about how to avoid pregnancy too. I mean, it doesn't get explicit because it's a YA book. But again, mm-hmm. this is stuff that right. I don't know how much would get passed off in current books, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. So, but I I have the ebooks because I actually didn't read these till they fell apart. I actually shared them with someone else's kid <laughs> years ago. Cause it was here, let me share these with you. And uh that's what but I bought do. the ebooks. If I had the print ones, they would have fallen apart by now anyway. So yeah, but I will reread these. I have nostalgia about them. They're just, they're really good books. So that is my, my second one. You go from snarky to here's my nostalgia of classic fantasy Aww. night magic, you know, all about family and who your true friends are and how to, yeah, it, it's, it's just delightful. So that's my second one. Um, I love that. Yeah. So Sydney, what do you have today? Okay. The first book that I wanted to bring up is called The Warrior Heir by Cinda Williams Chima. I bought that book because of you. I know. <laughs> we were together. I know. And now I own them all. I know. You're welcome. Do you really remember this or are you just saying I know? No, I I actually do remember okay, taking remember. like I remember okay. I remember us going to the bookstore. Like it's a big deal. And now I, I own was them really all. I was really excited. I got my mom to read all of them too. Oh. She also really liked them. There's a series of five First one came out in 2009. It's YA fantasy because apparently that's a theme for this episode. Yeah. You know, it's fantastical like tales. It is. And what's more fantastical than as a kid. coming of age and, and learning that magic could be real in the world. Well, uh, even Lord of the Rings, you could argue that it's a coming of age story. It is. 
And that's not young adult. It's no, true. I think it's just a theme that goes with fantasy. I agree. You have to break that that anchor of you have to still be in that liminal place of believability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to create a suspension of disbelief. Yeah. So The Warrior Heir is a series of five books. It is urban fantasy. And the main character is Jack. He's 16. He's living this unremarkable life in Ohio. And every day he has to take medicine. He has this big, thick scar above his heart. And he's told that he has to take this medicine to keep him alive. Something happens one day and he forgets to take his medicine. And the next day, instead of feeling poorly, he's feeling better. He's feeling stronger. He's more confident. He feels really good. And then he almost kills another soccer player during team tryouts because he has a lot of strength he didn't know he had. Oops. Turns out that medication Oops. wasn't really uh, <laughs> keeping him healthy. It was tamping his powers. He learns the truth about himself, that he is what they refer to as a weirland. It's part of an underground society of magical people that live among us. And at the head of this magical society sit the feuding houses of the Red Rose and the White Rose, whose power is determined by playing the game, which is a magical tournament in which each house sponsors a warrior to fight to the death. So you have this kind of Monty and Capulet style feud with Red Queen and White Queen from Through the Looking Glass style merging because of course there's a girl from another feuding house that he's you know has to battle against that he's oh she's pretty (laughs) I like her she's pretty you can't have a good feud you can't have a good feud without a little bit of romance in there no I don't think you can I I don't think you can just a little bit so he finds out that he is one of the last warriors that he's like a specific type of weirland that's called a warrior and it's at the time when both houses are scouting for a player and so both houses are trying to get him to be their champion so the warrior is the first one but you have you start bringing in all of these other characters and there's the dragon heir and the wizard heir and there's all of these other realms or or genres of fantasy that start weaving their way into this urban fantasy world and it's a lot of fun that is why i continued buying the books because each time a book ends i feel like a couple chapters in they brought in a new character and then the next book is the dragon air and it's all about that character and then they bring Mm. in another one at the end and then it's the next one about the sorcerer yeah it's so well done i know it sounds like a lot but it is so well done she has a couple series that are both longer yes i have this is five you're welcome (laughs) she has another one that's I believe seven. I got my mom into those okay. as well. Isn't that one? Because I refer to myself as my mother's supplier. I just, I supply <laughs> her with books. Someone um, I think to. you've been that term for a lot of people. You're welcome. <laughs> now I'm, I'm just thinking about how these are. And if you were waiting for the next one to be Oh, released, it was painful. Oh, I bet. That's why bad. I was making faces. Because you know, oh, you know what's oh. coming. And after reading a couple of them, you know, kind of, okay. So the dragon air is going to have something to do with dragons. Yeah. And I like dragons, but I have to wait a year. Yeah. But to be fair, I didn't turn you on to the series until it was already a few books in. This is true. So it was less painful than it would have been otherwise. Except they were so good that I binged them all. What can I say except you're welcome? (laughs) Every road leads back to Disney. Every road. It does. 100%. The cryptids and now Moana. You're welcome. (laughs) My second book is Stardust from Neil Gaiman. Oh, I love this one, too. Uh, yeah. 1997. It is a standalone, and it might be one of the only books I've ever picked that's a standalone. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> because while Annie hates series, that's like my bread and butter. But can you even imagine a 
second book to go with Stardust? Yes. Yeah? Okay. I can I can imagine okay. a whole series that follow along after he becomes king. 100%. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. And our listeners are now going, who becomes king of what? What is I'm going I'm cool on? with it being a standalone. I think it. I'm cool with it. I, I mean, it it, but again, I like standalone. It works as a standalone. Don't get me it wrong. Does. I just, I liked the world enough that I would like to have had more time yeah. in it, which oh, I sure. think is, is the hallmark of a good book. When it you is, are upset when it's done and you wish you could have more so that you could go back. Especially when it's sounds like your Neil fourth Diamond. career now sounds like your fourth career needs to be fanfic writer for Stardust. <laughs> and I say fourth because and that might be a little low. I'm not sure. You can just do that for fun. There I you mean. go. <laughs> Side hustle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I know you guys are going to be shocked by this. <laughs> I found out it was a book after I watched the movie and loved the movie. The movie is same. so good. Same. I I was the same. Yeah. I I yep. love the movie. Yep. Robert De Niro as a cross-dressing pirate. Does a fantastic job. Might be one of my favorite things I've ever seen. It's an amazing movie. It's it really an amazing, absolutely it amazing. is an amazing adaptation. They took all of the best yep. parts of the book mm-hmm. and ruined nothing. It was arguably the best book to movie adaptation I've ever seen. Wow. That's high praise. Because you've seen a praise. lot. You've seen a lot. I, we all I, have. I do love movies. But I think that because a lot of times when you have a book to movie adaptation, like Percy Jackson, too many liberties get taken. Yes. Yeah. Ready Player One, liberties get taken. Way too many. Yeah. Right. And then sometimes they are able to kind of pull back from where the author kind of went off the deep end and they make the movie better than the book. They smooth right. like yeah. Twilight New Moon. Yep. Or right. Jaws. Or George Jaws. Right. Like there's some books that that are better as a movie. This one is good as a book and a movie. And you can read one and then watch the other or watch one and then read the other. And you don't feel like something got ruined. Yeah. It's fantastic. Which I think means that everyone on the movie set did their job. Mm-hmm. Well, they did perfect, their homework. Right. It was the perfect casting. It was the perfect script. You could tell that people who liked the book were involved in the project. That's cool. So one of the things that I like about Neil Gaiman is that not only is he really, really clever, but all of his books have very, very different feels to them. They do. They really do. That's Stardust true. compared to Good Omens, which was also turned into a series. And it was mm-hmm. also fun. It was also fantastic. I loved it. Perfect <laughs> casting again. Mm-hmm. But uh, I love that he creates worlds that don't feel like one another. They all have their yeah. own unique feels and it doesn't feel like he's a one trick pony with the world he creates. Right. So for those who have not read Stardust, you should. But the premise yes. is that you have the character of Tristan Thorne, who's our main hero protagonist. He desperately wants to win the heart of this beautiful woman in town, but she's super cold and shallow. Her name's Victoria Forrester. She has absolutely no intention of courting him or marrying him, but she likes to lead him on because it gets her stuff and she's very materialistic. So, so hard to watch and to read. It is. It's, feel it's painful. He just, it's painful. like this sad little puppy following along, knowing it's going to get beaten and appreciating it anyway just because it's some kind of attention it's it's hard so it's hard, painful yeah. to watch it's painful to read yeah but uh she gets him fired from his job and he spends his entire last paycheck on this romantic picnic with champagne to woo her after she gets him fired mm. and so while they are sitting and she is enjoying the champagne and all of this frivolity they see a falling star or a shooting star and he says what would it take for you to marry me and she goes go to the other side of the wall, which 
is this completely unexplored forbidden place. Go to the other side of the wall and fetch me the fallen star and bring me back the star as a symbol of your love. And he's like, okay. Okay, sure. Why not? So he goes, so his ta- they live in the town of Wall, which is named after this wall that runs on the side of the town. And it's actually a magical barrier between the land of our reality and the land of everything supernatural. And so he leaves the tiny town of Wall for the other unexplored side of the wall where magic abounds. And we find out that Tristan is not the normal young man he thought he was. And that becomes a very prominent part of the plot. So I'm not going to say more about that. But you have witches seeking to eat the heart of a star to stay young and beautiful. And you find out that a star doesn't necessarily mean a lump of rock. You have swashbuckling sky pirates that are harnessing lightning. You have a fight for the throne by numerous heirs to the king that are all numerically named. So you have Primus... Secundus. I forgot about that part that they're all Septimus. One of my favorite the parts one, of the book. The one daughter. I forgot about that. The only daughter is named Una because she's the only one. Oh right? my gosh. But And the way they do that in the film visually oh. is just amazing. The visuals in the it. film, all of their all of their suit jackets have the Roman numeral of their name as the pattern on their mm-hmm. on their doublets and, and that's their, just and ridiculous. Everything it's, in a good yeah. way. In a good way. It is one of my favorite things is this idea of naming your kids numerically but making Seriously. it interesting. It's so fascinating. Yes. But throughout this whole book, which is a coming of age book. Again, because that's a very prominent theme. You have Tristan who learns about himself and who he truly loves, and he goes on the adventure of a lifetime. So it's the adventure also of really many short. lifetimes. Multiple he goes lifetimes. on. Yeah, a it's a big, huge it's a big adventure. adventure. It is epic, so, especially it is. for the it size has a of the happy book. ending. It yeah. does, and for the size of the book, it's it's a really big adventure that's very fast paced because it's only mm-hmm. a couple hundred pages. It's a very short book. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. looking it up after I saw the movie and I thought, how did they get a whole epic movie yeah. out of such it a is, short book? It is it's somewhere Neil around Diamond. like 250, pa- <laughs> 250 pages. Like it's really, yeah. really short. Mm-hmm. I guess that's true. They did the same with The Hobbit. They took a vanilla story and turned it into what, two, three hour uh, movies? It didn't need to be that. That's a whole, that's a rant. I know. I'm not going I know. on. I know. <laughs> but same idea. Same idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you want to get really specific about it, you have The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, which is a three page short story. Is it really? It is a three page short story. Didn't know that. And they turned it into a movie that, for the record, if any of you are interested, has nothing to do with the short story. Well, no wonder if it was only <laughs> three pages. What are you going to do with it? Seriously. I, that's a rant for another day. Okay. But we should all read and watch Stardust. Yes. Yes. If you haven't already. Or rewatch it because it's delightful. It really it is. is. It is delightful. I loved that movie. End book. It's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> so Nia, so, you have something new for us. I do. So we decided we were going to maybe do something new with this chapter and hopefully it'll be fun for all of us and for everyone who's listening. I've got a couple of trivia questions for Annie and Sydney and we'll see how they do with them. And the winner gets bragging rights and the satisfaction of knowing random trivia. Because Bring it on, Annie. I bring it. I beat my husband at Jeopardy every night. So, all right, are we ready to go? Unless it's now I'm Now I'm feeling less confident, but sure. Yeah, let's do that. (laughs) Here we go. How, wait, okay. hang on. How do we have to like raise our hand or? Can I... I don't know. How should we do this? We just do like we need answer us, phrase? interrupt us. Okay, great. Like, we're yeah. just going to blurt yeah. it out. Yep. I think it's just, yeah, it's just, yeah, I think that'll okay. work. It's not like there's a whole crowd of us. I mean, we, we do we not know. Crowd. We don't know the questions beforehand. Yes. No. I, I, yep. 
You have kept them secret. I did. They were in a Which vault. Which is hard to do. The vault had three locks and was guarded by your puppy dog. Yep. So, alrighty. So here's what I've got. The first question is, when did the word fantasy first appear in the Oxford English Dictionary? Oh, shoot. Right? Was it in... Oh, you're going to give us options. Okay. I'm going to give you options. I was options. just going to throw out a number. I mean, you could, but <laughs> nope. I have options. Um, was it 1856, 1949, 1928, or 1960? 
So <laughs> there we go. So what are we reading right now or what are we picking up next? What have you got, Annie? So I am reading right now The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. I read The huh. Final Girl's Support Group last year. And I love that. That was a fantastic book. And so now I'm working through the backlist of Hendrix. And this one is dark. Yeah. It is dark. And I'm listening to it on audio. I have a physical copy, but I'm listening also. And the Mm -hmm. last scene, this like makes me want to vomit, but I'm going to say it anyway. In the last scene, daughter, in-law, and son go to a dinner party. Mother is aging and living with them and has a caretaker. And this is in the 90s. So they go off to a dinner party and the caretaker and the mom are left in the house. And a random flood if you will, of rats comes into the house. Oh. There have no been no, I know, you know how I feel about rats. No previous rats, no previous infestation of anything and thousands of mangy, oh. nasty, flea-bitten rats come in and the dog can't get them to go away and nothing can get these rats to leave. And then they start attacking the pe- the caregiver and the mother and the dog. And so the caregiver, fin- yeah, the caregiver finally says, I can't, you're on your own. I can't. Cause she's like, I can't get you out of this room there's nothing I can do so she goes into the bathroom closes the door stands on the toilet because she can feel the rats coming up the toilet they do that too yeah yeah they do all these things she it says in there that she stayed in the room long past she heard the screaming stop wow I'm so grossed out right now I know it was disgusting okay it was so so gross but the premise is that there's this book club of ladies in the 90s in the south and one of them gets bit in the middle of the night by an old lady in town and she loses half of her earlobe and then the mysterious great-grandnephew shows up to deal with the estate of this lady and then weird things start happening like a flood of Hmm. rats in someone's house interesting this is not like the final girl support group at all okay that was snarky funny humor this like humor horror this is straight up horror mm, there's a lot okay uh, i'm so grossed out right i now. know it was so great i i thought would it be better to read this or to listen to it i don't know oh, See, if you're reading oh. you can skim past that but you can't really do that you when can't you're skim past it when you're listening but this book <laughs> is dark and weird. wow but i really like it it's good Okay. I'm going to keep reading it. Like I've gotten weirdly into horror books recently. That's the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. <laughs> and I met the rats before the vampire. I still haven't met the vampire. I mean, I think no. I have, but I don't know. You could be wrong. I could be I wrong. I don't know. I was wrong about the peaches on the front cover. could be wrong about this too. Oh my God. Oh yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> I'm so disturbed right now. <laughs> I can't. I can't. But I can't. it's really, it's really compelling. It's really, it's written very well. Grady Hendrix knows how to write horror. So changing subject, <laughs> Mia, what are you reading? <laughs> I am wrapping up Ghost Eaters, oh. which is by Clay McLeod Chapman. It it just came out. And when I say just came out, I mean, it came out September 20th. It just came out. I thought you were going to flex for a minute so, there again and say you got an advanced reader copy. No, I do have a few of those that are I should get to, but I haven't. I actually heard about this one a few days before it came out and was anxiously waiting so that I could buy the ebook to read it since I couldn't find an audio that I could listen to, which is probably for the best because, wow. Please tell me there's not rats. There are not rats. No. Great. You are already yeah. ahead. Please oh, continue. Hang on. She's not done yet. I don't... Uh, it's... <laughs> Uh, it's an interesting 
you're not sure if it's a ghost story at first or if it's the untangling of friendships that have kind of aged out or if it's that you have the friend who is an addict and who's going up and down and you aren't really sure what's going on. If I could sum it up, it would be a haunted trip, a really bad haunted trip. Like a physical trip? Like a drug trip. That was my other question. You are on a high and it just went real bad real fast. Interesting. And it's it's been really good. I mean, I I've plowed through most of it, you know, in a couple of days. It's written very well and you're you get sucked in immediately because you're really interested in these characters and these college kids in Richmond, Virginia, which I'm sitting there going, okay, the first the intro of the book is a short story set in the Richmond graveyard. And for people who don't know, the the main graveyard in Richmond, I mean, there's graveyards all over out here. They're everywhere. But this particular one is the home of the Richmond vampire. And it's a crypt. I've seen it. I've I've actually been there. People well, are you're only like an hour away from Virginia, right? Yeah, I'm three hours from Richmond. Okay. So what's the Richmond vampire? So sorry. The lore, no, you're good. I don't the know either. Is it's he's a he's just a vampire that haunts the area and that okay. leaves this crypt every single night. And it's really kind of weird going through the cemetery because you have Confederate flags everywhere because it's a lot oh. of Confederate soldiers that are buried there, including some higher military officers. It's uncomfortable. Like that makes it very uncomfortable too. But you see this crypt and it looks very nondescript except for people have written on it. It's I've had add extra like fencing on it if I remember right. It's been a couple of years since I've been there, but it's it gives a very weird vibe. And this story starts there where they're going there to do a seance while on acid what could possibly go wrong right (laughs) so many things yeah (laughs) this is gonna end really well yeah so it just feel wrong but not the way (laughs) you think it does and then it just goes from there yeah so it's a good book it's definitely was not what i was expecting uh when i picked it up especially because you if you look at the cover it looks like a ghost story Mm -hmm. but so i have that and i also have all the lonely people by mike gale which is supposed to be more of a warm and fuzzy story you have a gentleman who's moved to england who's writing his daughter and telling her about he's from jamaica and it's 1950s england and she lives in australia if I'm remembering that right. I haven't started it yet. So you get the, what I've read off the back of the book. And he's told her about, you know, he has these lovely neighbors and he's very happy and he's very social. And she's like, I want to see, you know, it sounds great. I want to come see this wonderful life that you built for yourself. It is hundred percent a life. He just hides in his home and doesn't talk to anybody. And so now he has this deadline where his daughter is coming to visit and he needs to go out and meet people and actually be like, no, really, I'm not this sad lonely oh, person. Look, it's good. So it's a, it's a warm, fuzzy book, which is going to be a very nice counterpoint to the one I'm finishing <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's supposed to be warm and lovely. And I'm actually looking forward to picking that one up next. So that's, uh, that's what I've got. What have you got, Sydney? So I'm bouncing back and forth between two books. I have hit chapter nine for Project Hail Mary. Ooh. The narrator in the audiobook is really, really good. And the snark comes across really well with the narrator. That's a good one. But I'm at a point where I'm like, I, uh, I've hit a, a plot point where I just don't know if I want to keep going for a minute or if I need a break. So I have started and Annie's like, don't do it. Keep going. No, no. I felt that same way. Okay. okay. When I was reading it, there were several times where I thought, I don't know about this. Yeah. I'm at one of those. Mm-hmm. So I have, you know, multiple people that have asked me to read it. So I'm 
doing it, but I am pausing Project Hail Mary, even though I'm only on chapter nine. It's okay. And I, I picked up another book that has been intriguing me. It's called All the Murmuring Bones by A.G. Slatter. Ooh. It's a mermaid book. Really? Really? And not, it's not what I would have guessed with that title. Yeah, I did not see yeah, that coming. Um, the book cover is blue with abstract wave designs and then a little mermaid tail. So it's it's clear from the cover that it's a mermaid book. But it's definitely right. not a light mermaid book. Not with a title like that. Mm-mm. So it follows the main character, Marin O'Malley, and it takes place in Ireland. And the narrator on the audiobook is Irish. Oh, cool. Which just makes it really fun to listen to. But also, you have to really pay attention mm-hmm. because her accent is just strong enough that you're going to miss stuff if you let yourself kind of do something in the background. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> I had to back up about 15 minutes, but Marin O'Malley's family was known for being super, super prosperous in this little town that was a big fishing village because when no one else's ships would always return safely, they started being able to have this whole fleet of ships for merchant ships that would always return safely. But they had this weird, like everyone married within the family. And if they didn't, things didn't always go very well. And so Marin O'Malley is one of the only, well, she is, she's one of the only living people in the family that have a pure bloodline that she's full O'Malley on both sides. It's her and her grandma. And then everyone else is what they refer to as impure because they've either married outside the family and had kids so that were, you know, their offspring from half O'Malley and half not. And because all of the O'Malley's that were inbreeding, let's call it what it is. That is what Yep. Stop being because of generations of inbreeding, they stop being able to produce children. It happens. The deal with the merfolk hasn't been able to be fulfilled because the deal was in return for a child of every generation, they would always have safety for their ships. Oh, okay. But they haven't been producing children for every generation because Uh-oh. their numbers are dwindling. And so Marin's grandmother is hellbent and determined to restore her family's glory mm-hmm. at the price of Marin's freedom. Not cool, grandma. Mm-hmm. Not so, cool. I am not, I'm only on like the third chapter. They have just buried her grandfather, which is very upsetting for her because he was kind of the the safety net or the barrier between her and her grandma, who is very obviously the matriarch of the whole family line and is hellbent on her pride, even though they've had to sell off all the silver and they've had to let most of the servants go because they can't afford them anymore. What time period is this? It's not, it's not a current Mm -hmm. story. They haven't really established time period. Like they haven't talked about phones or horse and buggy or or anything for me to be able to get a real sense of okay yeah like i don't i don't have a sense of time period because they haven't they have the author hasn't established that in the setting i just know that they've had to sell off all their silver Mm -hmm. and let go of most of their servants does she know that her grandma wants to like not yet i know she's still mourning the death of her grandfather and it's gonna get dark and twisty it's coming for you it is it is. I like that we're all getting ready for October. Yeah, I, we all, we're all reading dark, dark books this month. <laughs> <laughs> but mine don't uh, have rats. Let's be very clear. Okay, I mine only had one rat that has scene. To do with rats. One, one rat scene. I would have stopped reading at that point. I would have thrown the book across the room, and by book well, I was across driving, the room, I mean I would so... have shut down my Kindle. There we go. Or I would have paused the audiobook. <laughs> With a very power forceful, <laughs> forceful button push. Very upsetting. I'd have huffed a little bit and then I'd have turned on the radio to get it out of my head. I'll tell you if there are more. I don't want to know because I'm not going to read the book. <laughs> you lost me at rats. Well, you got me at mermaids. So Great. Thank you. Well, you read that one dark and twisty mermaid book Skin last of season. The sea? Skin of the Sea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That one's also on my list. 
It was a good one. Anyway, that's yeah. that's what I'm reading. All right, then. Okay. Well, friends, thanks for listening to this chapter of the Bookstack. As we sign off, we'd like to leave you with some food for thought, and we will see you next time for True Crime, the sequel. I'm Remember, so excited. I you guys will finally get to hear about Victorian bird heists. Excellent. <gasps> that's right. <laughs> and I know everyone for, has been waiting for that. And I forgot that I was excited, about, but now I'm excited again. <laughs> Right. And the one I couldn't remember the name of from last season, I remember the name of it. So oh, you yay. get to find oh. out what that is next time. Well, the anticipation is real. Right. Oh. Uh, well, remember, you can follow us on Twitter at Bookstack Trio and follow us at Bookstack Trio on Instagram and Facebook to see a full listing of the books mentioned in our stack and their lovely covers. If you read a book from the stack, let us know what you thought on social media. You can also find us on our website at bookstacktrio.com. Fantasy is a necessary ingredient in living. It's a way of looking at life through the wrong end of a telescope. Dr. Seuss.